recording. So welcome everybody. We'll go ahead and get started. And this is Tandem Coaching Academy's um, Coaching Tools and Tips Meetup. And the purpose of this meetup is to um, provide some information into the world, um, all over the world, which is why we do it virtual. And so it's to, to help you to understand more about coaching either as an agile coach or as a professional coach and to give you some tools that you can use and take back into your workplace and start to practice those things. So we want this to be a great space for learning. And so we, I strive to bring new talent, um, different types of talent in from all over the place. We often have CECs and professional coaches and CTCs, PSTs, um, some of those, those big letter people, um, and because you don't always have access to these. And today we have Shyla Reddy, who is an ICF um, credentialed coach. So she's an ACC coach. Shyla and I went to organizational relationship systems coaching together, and we went through a nine-month certification process, um, and it was great being in there with her, and um, she's also an agile coach. And um, so I thought that I would ask her to come and bring some of her cool um, ideas you and so today she's going to talk about mixing systems coaching with design thinking which is um cr a crazy idea that um i loved listening to her talk about so um welcome shyla we'll let you um jump in and let you share and i'll hand this over to you and just let me know when you're done and I'll be watching the chat box if anybody has questions and I'm trying to help you collaborate um, feel free to stop and ask questions at any time um, <clears throat> you should um, if you will all stay on mute unless you're talking that will help us with any background noise so welcome Shyla. Thank you. Thank you, Sheree. So <clears throat> first of all, I want to thank you all for, you know, taking the time on a weekend to, to listen to me uh, talk about, you know, some of the crazy stuff I've been experimenting with. Um, I loved, you know, co-leading uh, coaching sessions, team coaching sessions with Sheree, which is where she saw some of this madness, um, you know, brew. And um, it's just been uh, an amazing experience, you know, trying to mix it up a little bit, um, again, in service of the clients that I've been working with. So thank you. Thank you again for giving me your valuable time. And I, I can tell you this, first of all, that I'm extremely nervous. <laughs> so, um, so be gentle, but um, hopefully, I, you know, I don't mess it up too much. All right. So with that, of course, everything has to have a PowerPoint. So I'm going to try sharing. Um, so what is this, right? What is this idea and what is it all about and why are we spending our time, you know, listening to this woman talk? So i um, been an agile coach forever and ever. I love working with teams, whether it's, you know, software development teams, non-IT teams. Uh, more lately, I've been working with quite a lot of, you know, leadership teams. And that is really what attracted me to this organizational and relationship systems coaching uh, background, I'm a um, seriously practitioner of all kinds, of all sorts, and um, 
you know, systems thinking is something that, um, that comes naturally, if you will, when you're practicing for this many years. I'm sure, you know, y'all are uh, amazing coaches in your own right, and you've been doing this for a long time. But there was something always that um, I wanted to bring to the table, which is what, you know, ORS gave me an avenue to do. And so if you think about it, you know, as I went through the process of training and like Sherry was saying, the nine-month certification process, it became more clear to me that, you know, my purpose, right? My purpose really is to um, bring human-centric systems, right, via ORSC. Um, ORSC, you know, is a way of thinking, it's a way of being, it's a way of doing. Um, a lot of it is, it is based on systems thinking, if you will, right? And as I try, as I strive to bring value to customers, the, the question becomes, how do I bring it to fruition? How do I make it a more fun experience, right, while we're solving some of the most messiest of situations, right? And I'm sure you all have, you know, these kind of problems that you deal with on day-to-day -day life and you're helping teams and leaders deal with it, right? And so, all right. So first and foremost, right, when we talk about what is systems thinking, what is design thinking, right? When you think about systems thinking, it's all about how well you frame a problem. I'm sure you're all familiar with Einstein's famous quote, right? If I had 55 minutes, if I had one hour to solve a problem, I'd probably spend 55 minutes, right, understanding the problem more than really trying to come up with a solution, right? Because solutioning is something that comes easily to most of us, right? Yes, we're all problem solvers. The key is, are we really working on the right problem? And so when you think about, you know, systems thinking and what it gives to us, it's really about framing the problem well. Um, it aspires to really understand what are the relationships between these interdependent things within a system, right? Um, it is very much systems focused. And so mostly when you are in the systems thinking world, it's a zoom out or a balcony view as most of us are familiar with, right? And the whole idea is how do we leverage, you know, how do we actually find and then leverage the leveraged points, right? So that's what all, you know, systems thinking, I mean, we could have a whole session about what is systems thinking. Some of the major pioneers, you know, in this particular field of study, Peter Senjay, who's my superhero, right? Um, if you've all read, um, you know, uh, his famous book on systems thinking, it, it's a great way to just get started and really think about, okay, how does this apply in an organization? And what what can I do, right, to bring some of that um, type of work uh, into the workplace? On the other hand, you think about design thinking. Design thinking is much more user-focused, right? So you hear a lot about, okay, yes, it's user-focused. It's about designing things, right, in the best possible way for users, right? And the way we do that and the, the focus really is, um, you know, is it viable? Is it feasible? Um, you know, these kind of things, right? Um, you're really thinking about that aspect. 
Um, and it's a much more zoom in type of an approach, right? You're really getting in there and trying to make the most viable, feasible, you know, usable type of a solution. So it's very, very solution oriented. So the question becomes, what if we mesh the two, right? As we're working with some of the most complex problems and no, not all problems are complex. And yes, you know, I get it. Um, but think about it, right? More and more in the world, the problems that we're facing do fall in that complex space. And it requires, you know, both disciplines to come together, right? And that's where I started to experiment. I didn't necessarily go out there and figure out, you know, is there a discipline that's already present? But it was more about how can I really take some of the things I'm learning and put it together and see what happens, right? It started as an experiment, at least in, in you know, the way I brought it. Um, of course, alongside uh, amazing coaches that I got to work with in a team of coaches. And of course, the client, you know, was open to some of these crazy experiments we were running. And so when you put these two together, what happens is it becomes a very non-linear an iterative process, right? It's not a one shot and we got it type of a solution. It helps with what, what I love to call as innovating, you know, change systems, right? Um, they are innovative because they're, you know, you're constantly experimenting and it's a new way of thinking about how we adapt to change, right? How quickly, how iteratively and so on and so forth. And what are some new ways we can do things? Um, it does require a lot of integrative thinking, and we'll talk about what does that mean. Um, in this discipline, you're constantly zooming in and zooming out. What's the big picture? Now let's zoom in and let's get into this one part, right? Figure it out, and then let's look at it, and let's look at the impact on the system, and so on. And inherently, you know, it's not a one-man job. Inherently, it's co-creative. Right. And when you're trying to actually mesh the two of these together, what, what you'll start to notice is a lot of this um, depends on your facilitation skills as well as your coaching competencies. Right. And that's that's what it turned out for me. Right. So when you think about, OK, so if you mesh systems thinking and design thinking, as a facilitator, as a coach, what is the mindset that's required? So where I'm going with this is you've meshed the two. You need a certain stance in order for this to work, right? And you need to be able to dance in and out of this particular stance. The mindset, however, seems to be core. And you'll recognize the words on this particular slide, right? Um, these are some of the basic uh, values that, us as coaches espouse, right? So when you think about what are the characteristics, what do we value as coaches and facilitators on the ground? And what is our mindset? How does that translate to, right? So first and foremost, inquiring, right? When you're working with complex problems, it is not necessary that you already know the solution. Otherwise, you know, why bother, right? They would have already implemented said solution, right? So having an inquiry, mindset is key. Having the ability to learn in the moment, right? Be able to be curious, be observant, you know, try to ask as many questions as possible as opposed to being, you know, what, what we call judging, right? Or making assumptions and then trying to test those assumptions um, out. 
In terms of being open, right, having a growth mindset, we all talk about, you know, what does a growth mindset look versus a fixed mindset. So at this point, as you're working with, you know, with, within this discipline, you want to be able to defer judgment, right? You want to be able to mix in different perspectives because that's how you're going to get to that integrative solution that we're talking about, right? We talk about having an integrative characteristic, and that's really about accommodating all of these diverse you know, thoughts that are getting in. And we all know, right, what happens when you have a room full of people with diverse opinions and thoughts and maybe even different value systems, right? You start to get conflict in the room. There's a lot of tension that comes in with that diversity. So the question becomes, as a coach, how can you actually model and espouse, you know, some of these characteristics and values, right? How can you accommodate and utilize these tensions more creatively, right? How can you be collaborative? We talked about this being an integrative and, um, you know, co-creation. It's a process of co-creation. So for that, you know, having a characteristic of collaboration is really, really necessary. You, you lean on teamwork. You're working with a system, whether it's a you know, team of individuals, it's an actual team um, or a team of leaders and so on and so forth, right? As you're doing that, it becomes necessary for you as a facilitator and a coach to listen actively, right? We talk about level three listening. It's very, very important. And because you're trying to integrate and co-create, you have to have the ability to really employ the principles of improv, right? Building on each other's ideas. When I typically facilitate some of these workshops, I'm usually doing it, you know, um, with another coach. I'm co-leading it with another coach or a facilitator. And it's so important that, you know, as a part of a working agreement that you are able to build off of each other's ideas because it is, you know, as most of you are familiar, it is a dance that you're doing uh, in the moment, right? And to be really centered. At the end of the day, you know, you have to be mindful. You have to be able to have that reflective self-awareness. You know, how am I an exemplar as a coach, right? How, how am I showing, showing up um, as a leader? And what is the big picture of all of this? If I were to take a balcony view, what does this problem look like? right? Where are we headed with this, right? So these are some of the characteristics, values, and mindset. Everybody, I'm sure, is familiar. I'm not telling you anything new. Now, when we're working within this particular discipline, right, you're mashing up the principles of systems thinking as well as the principles of design thinking, and you're trying to facilitate said session or workshop or whatever you want to call it, right? Some things that I've found helpful as uh, grounding principles are these that I've put up on the slide, right? Um, assume you're wrong, right? As a coach, again, these are principles for you as a facilitator and a coach, right? Don't assume you're right. Don't assume you know the solution. Um, and I fall, you know, in all honesty, I fall in this trap over and over again, and it takes a lot of practice. I remember actually, Sherry, I'm going to call upon you. Um, there was one session that Sherry and I were co-leading, uh, and we were doing a constellation, um, if you will, uh, with a team, uh, a development team. And I was attempting to do exactly this. I was attempting to mix 
some of the systems constellation work to understand what the team's current state is, not really knowing much about their problem. And once they got to a problem and a set of solutions, um, I was mixing it with another design thinking you know, technique, the value impact matrix. And as I was leading that session, you know, they, there was some things that Sherry was noticing and she gave me the gift of feedback. And what it was, was there were a few moments in there where I was failing to assume that I was wrong, right? Something in there, the consultant in me kicked into high gear um, and I was almost pointing them in a certain direction, which was not really useful for the system, right? Um, so again, this principle, I think, trying to practice it, putting it in real life, um, is really hard, but it's useful, you know, to have this as a, um, I would say, guardrail, as you're thinking about, what do I need in order to actually put, you know, this workshop together and facilitate it, right? Assume you're wrong, Right stay strong in the nature of emergence. If you are truly working with complex problems, right? Whatever emerges is the right thing that emerges, right? So be okay with that. The next principle is about embracing divergence, right? Again, this is another hard one for those of us that have been practiced consultants forever and ever and ever and that are getting into the coaching space, right? Um, don't get into that fixed mindset. We talk about having a growth mindset, right? So you have to be able to embrace the divergence of all of this. You're going, you may have a plan in mind, but when you open it up, there may be so many things that come up, right? And it's okay. Embrace it, right? So I'm not looking at the chat or if anybody's raising their hand or has a question. I'm wondering if I need to take a pause and just check in with you guys. All okay? Yeah. Anybody have thoughts or questions that you want to raise so far? There's none in the chat box. All right. I think we go. All right. So we'll keep going. And again, if this is stuff that, you know, we know this, we've done this, I would love to hear your experiences as well. So once I finish the principles, I will absolutely stop and just see, you know, to share, you know, what, what experiences you've had um, in this, right? By no means, no means am I a master of any of this, right? Um, the next principle really is about follow, but improve the rules. Uh, this one's an interesting one, right? So I'm sure most of you have, you know, designed interesting workshops and we have a plan, you know, we have a facilitated guide, you know, this is how we want to run it. You know, these are generally what we want to say, what we want to do. These are the activities we've planned, yada, 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 right? What I will say is when you're actually working, um, you know, within this discipline of trying to co-create, I don't know about you guys, but there are many times when, you know, we've had to shift in the moment based on what is emerging. So yes, we may have a general, you know, plan of how we want the day to go or the hours to go, but we also want to keep it open to improve it, right? While there is discipline, there's always room for improving based on what is emerging, 
right? Maybe we, we designed this activity to happen after that, right? And maybe that's not the right thing. Given where the system is, we probably have to pull out another trick out of the hat. Be okay with that, right? Who says it has to be step one, step two, step three? Whatever you're doing, <clears throat> you're doing it in service of the system that you're working within, right? And as these solutions, these thoughts, this information really emerges in the system, as you're working with the system, there's gonna be many moments of, aha, I didn't think of it like that, right? And every piece of information is information that's getting added into the common pool of meaning, right? As this, this team is working with this complex problem, right? And it's not always serious stuff. Sometimes the ahas may be silly and silly, and that's okay, right? That probably leads to a little bit of laughter. Hey, you know, what about this? It is the world's most bizarre idea, but you know what? I'm just going to throw it out there, and that's fine, right? Hold it lightly. It's okay. You know, having laughter is a good thing. And if there's one thing I learned through all the coach training and observing all of you wonderful folks as well, you know, in the industry, what I've learned is that there is a quality to positivity in a system, right? And where there's laughter and positivity, right, there is creativity. And that's really where the best solutions are born, right? I mean, how many of you have been in these workshops where you're trying to work with some of these problems and you're working with teams and, you know, we talk about um, gamification, right? We bring that, we work with innovation games, for example, um, and they may be serious problems that we're actually solving, but you, you know that for creativity, for that creativity to hit and for us to have a bunch of solutions that are being generated, we do need to gamify a little bit. We do need to have that quality of playfulness, right? Yes, within some guardrails, within some discipline, but that's really how we get to be the most creative. That's how you get the team to be, you know, in the zone, as we call it. So at this point, I wonder if I should just stop and I, I would love to hear from you guys, you know, is, is any of this resonating with you? Would you be willing to share some of your experiences, um, you know, the way I've been describing it? Hi, this is Padma. Um, Hi, Padma. Hi. Um, I'm not looking my best today. <laughs> but I just wanted to say that, um, um, you know, you talked about gamification and uh, making things fun, um, yeah. if I interpreted uh, I mean, the intent is to make people feel at ease would yeah. it be, uh, so that, you know, the you can then work on bringing out the best in uh, them. Would that be a fair way to interpret what you just covered? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you can say, you know, fun. Uh, fun leads to a positive state of mind, which then leads to, you know, the right side of the brain uh, working well, right, to, to really be creative and come up with these creative solutions. Um, also, uh, when you're gamifying some of these, right, um, we're all, you know, post-it fans. I'm sure you all have a bunch of these, right, post-its and markers. This is, this is our life. Uh, but beyond that, when you think about, you know, what is the discipline of actually using these post-its and, you know, the thought process behind 
some of the games that we're having these teams play, it's really about helping them be open, open up their mindset to be able to write down some of these diverse, you know, thoughts, ideas that are coming out. Um, you know, whenever I run brainstorms, brainstorming sessions, I, I notice, right, how, how mature is this team? How well is this team working together? Are they really opening up? And for me, as I notice that, there are some teams that I really tell them, you know, um, work, you know, by yourself, right? Employing the one, two, four technique, for example, um, right? Work for yourself, then work in pairs, then work in fours and then share it out. And by then you can start to see how you've, you know, really opened up the divergent thinking process, right? You have so many ideas and as you share and as you pair and as you actually get into fours and you share out, you start to converge them, right? That is one form of gamification as well, because then it's about establishing some of that psychological safety by using a simple writing technique. Just write it out, right? And be okay with just writing it out. That's fine. You don't have to talk about it. You don't have to get into a group think process and so on and so forth. Um, yes, it does. And I have a follow up question. So in what um, my role is of a scrum master, um, and I have three teams, um, one Kanban and two scrum teams. Um, I'm trying to understand in what avenues or what are the forums where you've been able to apply these techniques to bring uh, to to uh, to make the team go through the journey of you know, to, for higher levels of maturity or um, yeah. higher levels of innovation and creativity. Because yeah. I feel like the only avenues available to me are probably the retrospective. I mean, like all the scrum ceremonies. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, there is very little that uh, I am able to do in the daily stand-up or the refinement or the sprint planning. Uh, that leaves me with the retrospective where I can kind of make an impact. But you know, sometimes emotions run high and, um, and then always it's like the most dispensable buffer of time. And I um, yeah. think that that is one meeting which get, gets moved very easily, despite how much ever we try to keep things on a cadence. You know, I'm going to answer this question, Padma, but I'm going to ask for just a little patience. I do have a whole section on how I've actually applied it. Right. So okay. just hold on to that. question. Sure. sure. Okay? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else want to share questions? We're good. We still have people. Sherry, I assume. <laughs> uh, so we still have people. You're good to go. All right. Okay. So enough about principles. So what happens when you talk about values, you talk about principles, you talk about mindset, of course, you're going to start talking about, okay, so you know, frameworks and such and so forth, right? And Padma asked an amazing question. So yeah, this is great. You're talking about this discipline. When do you really employ and how do you know you should really get into this, you know, systemic design philosophy of yours, right? So at a base level, I'm going to say this, right? If you have, if you're asking yourself any of these questions, right? or you're noticing some of these problems recurring, there's a recurring quality to some of these problems that you're hearing about, 
it's probably time to pull this, you know, discipline out of your head, right? Some of these tools that we're talking about um, out of your head. Um, so think about it, right? Um, if you find yourself asking or the team is asking themselves this problem, how do we know we're working on the right problem? We have problem A, problem B, problem C, problem D. Where should we focus on? Yes, prioritization and all of that is a good thing. But ultimately, how do we know that's the right thing, right? How might we deal with issues that really impact, that live within silos? So again, you're taking the balcony view and you're seeing problem A exists here, 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 here all of these, and they're not really talking to each other, you can see that it is a systemic issue, right? Aha, that's the keyword. Maybe we should pull this out, right? Um, how might we bridge across different value systems? This one, this one really um, occurs to me as an important one. Every time you're working with, anytime you're working with leaders, different organizations and leaders from different organizations, you start to notice a quality about them, right? Um, it's okay if they all have the same value system, they espouse the same value system, right? Whatever is fundamentally the value system, if they're aligned on that, that's great. It's easier to get to problem solving space when you have a common value set. But more often than not, and this has been my experience, and I would love to hear from your experience, when you're working with leaders, who are responsible for some of these, you know, different organizations, they actually carry underlying different values, right? And they're not necessarily aligned on the value system. So that is, again, one signal for you to catch on to and say, you know what, the underlying value system, they're not aligned on. So how do we open it up? They're not going to change their values necessarily, but how do we get the good qualities of these different value systems and integrate them, add them to the pool of shared meaning, right? So that you can utilize that collective knowledge more, you know, responsibly, right? In a more effective way, right? That's ultimately, that's what relationship systems intelligence is about. So that might be another signal to say, you know what, this might be useful to really understand and align. And then the last one, um, how do you avoid analysis paralysis, right? Again, you're working with complex problems. You want to analyze it to death just because you want to have the right root cause, you know, and the right solution for that particular root cause. Um, as you work with this, you know, if it is a co-creative co process, as I've been talking about, um, time boxing it is useful. And us as agile coaches, you know, that is our mantra, right? We do that really, really well. Um, and when we do that well, right, we start to get into this avoiding the analysis paralysis, right? The information is as good as it shows up. And, you know, you've got to be able to make decisions based on the information that is available at that moment in time. And, you know, some of these time boxes really help us with that. So again, just some guidance. Is it, is it all of it? No. Is it some of it? I'd say, yeah. Um, so you think about, okay, put all this together. What's the framework within which we live, right? So yes, <laughs> there's a framework. It looks long. Uh, what I'd like to say is it's not linear, right? It's definitely iterative, but as with any framework, it's just a framework, right? 
if it's useful for you, that's great. If it's not, that's great too, right? Let's learn from it. And so what I found really uh, useful as I come upon some of you know, these problems that they're, that they're looking for help with, the first thing is we're trying to understand you know, who are the stakeholders, right? Whether in systems thinking discipline or in design thinking discipline, right? Or any other, right? Even as a coach, you're trying to understand who are these people, right? Um, what is the problem? What is the nature of the problem that they're talking about, right? Defining it has a, has a quality about it, right? What's the impact of this problem? What's occurring? Why is it occurring? When is it occurring? So on and so forth. Just trying to map it out, right? What are all the interdependent parts and pieces of this particular system? Trying to map it out, right? Trying to take that balcony view, as I love to say. And from that view, trying to understand really what are the leverage points. You can't focus on you know, fixing the whole system, but there are probably a few things that you want to be able to influence. What is that key leverage point? Just trying to find that. And once you've found that, now actually employing the discipline of design thinking to say, okay, you know, the solution that we're coming up with is not a point solution, and who knows if it's the right solution, right? It's a hypothesis. Okay, great. So come up with the hypothesis. Now start designing some experiments around it. How will we know that this is the right solution? How will we know we're making progress? What are some things that will tell us earlier than later? and so on and so forth, right? Putting those measures in place, running those experiments, you know, making prototypes, for example, testing and evaluating, you know, did we, did we actually, you know, land? Are we headed in the right direction or not? Evaluating them and then starting over because it's an iterative process, right? So again, this is just a framework, if you will, when we talk about guardrails, anytime you're working with, with a system, right, a body of problems, these are generally the guiding posts, right? You're going to go through one or more of this in a disciplined manner, in an iterative manner. So back to, you know, Padma's question, you know, how have you really employed it? Not all of you, I'm realizing not all of you may be ORSC trained, so some of the terms over here may be meaningless to you, but suffice it to say, the laundry list of stuff that I have out here are really just tools, right? Facilitated, you know, facilitation tools, if you will, right? For example, uh, I'm sure everybody's familiar with designed to, you know, team alliance, right? Everybody familiar with um, working agreements with teams? Yeah, something as simple as that um, or something as simple as, you know, um, working with a high dream, low dream, right? Setting goals, goal setting with teams uh, and things of that nature, right? As you work with some of these tools, you start to understand and you start to employ some of these tools, you start to understand what it's really doing is opening up the aperture, right? When you give permission to the team to say, okay, in your wildest dreams, you know, if you were the perfect team, you know, what is the best thing you could achieve? Right? If you opened it up, that's right there, a divergence of thinking, right? Um, from there, you're actually then converging into what are the goals of this particular team? And you might follow that conversation up with, say, a team canvas, right? Everybody's familiar with these lean change canvases that are floating around, 
we put together a team canvas. Team canvas has some important stuff in it. You know, what's the team's vision? What are their goals? What are their measures? What's important to them? What are they currently doing? This sort of stuff, right? So again, as you're thinking about meshing, it's all about mashing up some of these tools, right? You open it up through using, you know, one or more of these tools, techniques we're talking about, and then we bring it to action using other, you know, tools, and you put one and one together. Does it have to take a, you know, is it a day-long activity? No. What I found, and I'm sure this is true for you guys as well, when you're doing, for example, um, you know, goal setting for the team, putting a team canvas together, one hour, one and a half hours, right? You should be able to come up with the stuff, right? Relatively easily, um, making sure that every voice is heard within the team, okay? Um, things of that nature. Um, if you're working with product teams, for example, journey maps, right? How many of you have worked with journey maps? Is there a hand-raising functionality here? Yeah? Yep, there is, and some people are waving, some people are, are raising their hand on the... Great. Yeah, so, so you're all familiar with, you know, journey mapping, and it's the same thing. As we try to understand, you know, whether it's a customer's journey, you know, you're using the journey mapping in the uh, vein of understanding, you know, the customer's journey, or alternatively... I've had, for example, a Scrum Master use a journey map for a team, right, at a retro. Okay, so how has the sprint been, guys? Let's do a journey map on that. It was a two-week sprint, right? What was our experiences? We've been tracking how our happiness, you know, radiator is doing. How have we been doing? What all has gone on? Have we been able to meet the target? And if not, what was holding us up? Right. So, again, there's different ways. It's the same technique. The purpose may be different. The way you're, you know, what information you're trying to really understand from the system may be different. It's just a technique. Right. And things of that nature. Right. So, again, this, this is a framework that's helping you integrate, right, the divergence and convergence and the repetitive nature of really understanding and holding the system as a whole, but also being able to solving some of the, whatever the points are within the system that need, you know, um, a different perspective, right? Or for that collective intelligence to truly emerge, right? For the growth of this team to occur. And whatever growth, you know, whatever the meaning of growth may be for this team. Some teams, it may be achieving the goals, sprint goals. Some teams, it may be, you know, we tried to improve in this and we're not able to improve in this and so on and so forth, whatever that may be. Okay, so again, it's just a bunch of things that um, I've been able to, you know, mix and match, if you will, a bunch of tools and techniques. So now trying to get into, okay, what what is the application of this? You know, what if I were to boil the whole ocean of meaning that I've been talking for so long, and I feel like I've been talking forever, um, it's this. It's the ability to use systems thinking to locate the root cause of a problem, right? To understand the nature of the problem and truly locate the root cause of the problem. And once you've done that, right, 
then you're trying to create a human-centric solution that's based on design thinking techniques, right? You're using the intelligence of these amazing creative, creative human beings, right, to come up with a solution that works, if you will, right? And I find that when you do the mashup of both of these, you can virtually find a, a good long-time, you know, long-term remedy for virtually any problem that you're dealing with, right? And it's not you, per se, as a coach or a consultant coming in and saying, here's the fix for the problem, go do, and your problem's going to go away, right? How many of us have faced that? right? Only to know that there is a repetitive nature of this problem. We really didn't get, you know, to the root of this. And yes, are there many, you know, uh, ways to actually get to a root cause of a problem? Yes, I'm sure y'all could rattle off, you know, 10 techniques that you use to get to a root cause of a problem, right? But, but really, that's really at the heart of all of this. And so when I think about when I was you know, putting this little deck together, um, I was thinking about, okay, so how all have I really applied it instead of just rattling a bunch of applications of what I've done? How about, you know, I show you some pictures um, and where I've actually employed it. Um, and this is where I answer Padma's question more directly, right? So I have helped in one particular uh, client situation, I have uh, helped multiple teams and leaders actually employ what we call the improvement kata, right? I'm sure many of you are familiar. I've already, you know, told you guys I'm a self-declared lean agile junkie. And so this is about bringing the discipline of continuous improvement into teams, whether it's a scrum team, a Kanban team, doesn't matter, right? So you think about taking the retrospective, which is, you know, for a two-week sprint, it's roughly an hour and a half, 90 minutes, right? We all know that. Um, and really instituting the discipline of um, an improvement kata. So, you know, the steps of the improvement kata, the first step starts with, you know, identifying the problem, right? What's the biggest challenge or opportunity that's presenting itself? And yes, we always start with a target. You know, you have a current state. What is the target that you're trying to get to, right? Now, how do you get to that? What are the problems or opportunities that are going to present themselves as you try to get to that target? So you think about it. The first step itself, you know, points you to systems thinking discipline, right? There's a bunch of things that are in the way of getting to the target. What are they? And so you're trying to really inspect the problem space. So right there, employ a technique in order to understand what are the problems. What techniques can come to mind, right, to understand what's going well and what's not going well, right? We do this, right? We do this in retrospectives. We're gathering all this data and insights. This is part of our normal process. So something as simple as uh, a technique to really understand the system you know, maybe a rose thorn bud, um, you know, type of exercise could tell you, okay, what are the thorns that are preventing this team from actually achieving their target? Okay, simple, doesn't take a whole lot of time, 15 minutes, 20 minutes tops, right? You start to understand what are people thinking? What are they saying about this problem? What are the qualities of this problem? 
From there, you're trying to understand what are the cause and effects. Again, perfect time to employ a systems thinking type of a tool, right? Causal loops or, you know, causal trees. Many of you are familiar with causal trees. Okay, we don't have to be so complicated. Five whys, right? Simple thing. So why is this happening? And why is this happening? And why is this? Till the point where there are no more answers to that why. Okay, there's your root cause. Got it? So what have you done? You've understood the problem. You now have a root cause of a problem. Okay. From there, it's time to actually, you know, design the solution to fix that problem. Right. So you can get to your target condition. So that's where you're going to design your experiments, right? Your hypothesis. And at that point, as you're solutioning many techniques, right? I'm sure you could rattle off a hundred te different techniques, but things that come to mind, understanding the nature of the problem, the stakeholders involved, stakeholder mapping, affinity mapping, context mapping, I could go on and on and on, right? And then it comes time for the you know, team to actually try and run the experiment during the next sprint and then have some learnings based on it. So this is a disciplined way to actually get to continuous improvement, right? By working with the problems that are emerging for a team, a system, right? And that could be a team of teams, right? Think about um, some of the inspect and adapt events even. I've worked with this even with a team of leaders as they get into the discipline of, oh, so this is affecting, you know, my entire organization. What can I do? And as a coach, it gives you an avenue to actually practice the discipline of coaching. So what's preventing you from getting in there, right? What's the worst that can happen? And all of these questions, these powerful questions that you intermix with some of these, you know, techniques, if you will, right? Okay, this looks like a convoluted thing, but um, I was once working with a uh, virtual team, right? Many of the team members were not necessarily on ground. We were trying to do a causal loop and it was a simple problem, right? Um, you know, the simple problem of I need to do more. So I'm just going to make my team members either work overtime and I'm working with a team of leaders at this point, right? Um, so that the solutions over there were that they had come up with is I'm going to make my team do overtime. I'm going to hire more developers and therefore I'm going to get more work done uh, and these kind of things, right? And so in working with them, think of this, right? If it was a co-located team, then each of these little, you know, orange circles would be post-its and I'd be moving them and with a marker on a whiteboard, I'd just be drawing. Okay, so you pretend you did this. What would be the effect of that? And pretend you do this. What's the side effect of that? And so on and so forth. And what I'm trying to do there is nothing but trying to find the causal loops, right? What are the balancing loops over there? What is the leverage point? Where do I need to go focus, right? A solution on. So in this case, the aha moment as I was working with this virtually, um, and by the way, there's a, there's a free tool out there called Insight Maker. It's a wonderful tool if you're doing this virtually, right? You can get a whole team of people participating and, and doing this together. So you're not the coach actually, you know, drawing while others are watching. Anyway, I digress. So as, as I was working with the leaders, what emerged was, you know what? None of the quick fix solutions that we thought would actually make an impact are going to make an impact. We need to look 
you know, more deeply into what the problem is. Our biggest problem is we just keep saying yes to everything. We would be so much better off if we actually prioritize stuff, right? And that way the teams are not overloaded. We get more quality and we get more stuff and the customers are happy, yada, 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 yada. Okay? It would have been very easy as a coach for me to go in there and say, hey, leaders, you're looking at this wrong. No, it's never going to work. In my experience, that doesn't work. You should do this. But at the end of the day, if I had have done that, and I'm sure you all will agree, right, that problem, the, the solution would never have stuck, right? Um, long after, you know, even before I left, it would have been something else, right? So here's one more application. Um, talked about experiment boards. Um, so again, in one of the clients that I was working with, um, I had a group of managers who were learning the skill of coaching, right? Coaching their teams. And this was an experiment board that they were coaching their teams to actually um, carry on sprint to sprint to sprint. So you think about the improvement kata and where are we actually, you know, locating all of those. And as we have those activities, where are we recording some of these things, right? And how do we employ the coaching kata? So you look at some of these experiment records, right? The job of the manager, as opposed to saying, when will we have this? You said you would and all of that. It becomes more of a, all right, so we had a hypothesis. What did you expect would happen? Now, you know, two days later, what actually happened, guys? Um, and what is the learning from that? Okay, this was a failed experiment. So let's move on, right? What's the next thing we want to try? And so on. Right? Simple things like that where the manager is now starting to coach the team um, by changing the language of the question, the nature of questions that he's asking his team. Right? Goes a long way in helping with you know, developing empowered teams, for example. Um, this is a picture of um, you know, a bunch of teams that I was working with and you'll see it in action, right? So all the stuff I've been talking about, um, this, uh, this picture was taken right after I had done a one and a half hour workshop with them, retrospective. I took over their retrospective, right? And you can see on the left-hand side, you know, this little whiteboard over here is the Rosethorn Bud activity, right? We did that activity first. We started to go through the rhythm we're like, okay, where are we? What's going on? We talked about, for example, a journey map with respect to their happiness, right? That's their little happiness board. What happened? Why did it happen? Yeah, we have some unhappy people here. So let's talk about it as a team. Okay, where do we want to go? What's our target? And on and on and on. All right. So this is really what I had to share 